In the world of wrestling, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The Bloodline, who are investigating a conspiracy, and Sami Zayn, fighting for his innocence. These are their stories. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. This week on the Fretzelmania podcast, Law and Order SVUs. Welcome everybody to episode 102 of Fretzelmania. I am your favorite Canadian. Mr. Fretz. Today, I am not only talking about a SmackDown from January of 2003, I am covering Royal Rumble 2023 because, I mean, how could I not? It was a very good show. Both Rumbles had its moments, their positive and their negatives. But man, we're all here for Sami Zayn, for the bloodline, for Everything that unfolded on and after this event, and my my goodness, I right now I've got to pour one out for Sammy and the Bloodline. Uh, I know it's two in the afternoon on Wednesday, February first, and I'm cracking one open because I'm not working, and I'm drinking a double up coffee milk stout. For all you uh, craft beer aficionados out there. Mm. Cheers, Sammy. So on Saturday, when I learned that the Men's Royal Rumble will be kicking off this show, I kind of already knew how things were going to unfold at this premium live event. Peo and Roman would close the show. And we would finally see the climax giggity of this storyline. Now, the men's Wormble match itself, you know, it kicked off the show. And it was very good, albeit kind of predictable. But predictability is not always a bad thing. You know, to some right now, they think that WWE may have booked themselves into a corner, may have put themselves in a Daniel Bryan in 2014 kind of situation, which was nine years ago. My goodness, we're getting old, folks. That was nine years ago. Good Lord. I'm going to need a moment. But I think the story here, it supersedes the title. It might be bigger than the world title. It could also be meant for a different championship itself. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Just hear me out because I think 
that's where they're going to go. Again, I would love it. Yeah, if Adam Pierce came and said, hey, uh, Rotten Smackdown needs two titles, so what you're going to do is put one title on the line at Elimination Chamber and the next one on the line against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. That way, both of these guys don't lose their shot. Or they go the Roman defends the belt on both nights scenario, kind of like what I predicted at um, um, one of my prediction podcasts earlier this year. Either way, come WrestleMania, following WrestleMania, Roman Reigns is going to be without any championships. Actually, the bloodline is going to be beltless following WrestleMania. Now, kicking off this pay-per-view or PLE or whatever the crap you want to call it was the Men's Royal Rumble match. This was spectacular. I mean, it didn't have a lot of surprises. I mean, our only surprises were a returning Edge and Logan Paul. You know, Logan Paul is seemingly setting up a match with Seth Rollins. You know, love him or hate him, you got to admit that that Paul is a great athlete. Just look at that spot that uh, him and Ricochet did in the Royal Rumble. Carmelo Hayes is like, hey, you stole my gimmick, which, yeah, I get that. Big can of Coke. But your first two in this match were Gunther and Sheamus. You know, the two last year that put on my favorite match. I didn't get to give you a top 10 favorite matches of the year podcast because, well, time and whatnot. So yeah, that that's that was my winner from last year, the third year in a in a row. Gunther wins my favorite match, and with his performance in the Rumble this year, Gunther might win my favorite match four years in a row because he came in at number one and lasted until the very end. You know, being eliminated by number thirty, who wound up being Cody Rhodes, which. Okay, you know, Cody's first match back, he had a major surgery, he had his pec tear in that Hell in a Cell match that I still haven't seen, which I I have to watch just to see to believe the performance and the guts, if that's the right word to say about the man for performing with a torn pec and it looking all black and blue, da-ba-dee-da-ba-die. Man, the rest of the Rumble served its purpose in the terms of the rest of the intertwining storylines in the WWE. For example, the Judgment Day and their feud with Edge and basically everyone else on the roster. You're seemingly setting up Rey Mysterio and Dominic for a future event. As Rey Mysterio didn't come out, you know, we are led to believe that Dom Dom, who is the participant after him jumped his father backstage you know got his mask and ripped it up you know ray wasn't going to come out without a mask but if you watched wcw in the late 90s and early 2000s you know what ray ray looks like without a mask so not that big a deal but i think that's another moment that they're saving you know you had brock lesnar coming in and he got his uh Muppets from Bobby Lashley. You're getting a Mania match set up there. You got just a whole bunch of other great stuff here. You had a brief face-off between Gunther and Brock Lesnar, just giving us that little, 
little tease for a match. I think we are going to see maybe at SummerSlam, maybe at a Saudi show. I don't know, but the very concept of that match just makes me salivate because that would be as our beloved K. Murphy would say, meet slapping majesty. I do not have the soundbite because I do not have a way to do that. You know, Kingston and uh, Woods, the New Day, they had a pretty cool spot here. He tried to go for another, you know, Kofi spot in the Royal Rumble, but it just, it didn't go very well. Your final four was good, albeit a little bit strange that Logan Paul was in there with Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, and, and Gunther. And when Gunther and Cody were the final two in the ring, they had a very small five-minute exhibition match that I think we could see for the WWE title somewhere down the line. I think this time next year, if I could be so bold as to predict that Gunther will be the WWE champion, uh, other notes from this here was uh, Pat McAfee making his return to the broadcast booth before this match went underway. And Michael Cole and his, who, who was the other? Corey Graves. Why can't I not remember his name? They were both genuinely shocked. You know, nobody knew until the music hit. And apparently in his earpiece, uh, Triple H was like, so look up. Huh? It's like, are you ribbing me? Are you seriously freaking ribbing me right now? It's like, you son of a bitch. Uh, Baron Corbin here was made to look like an idiot to make a baby face look good, which I'll give him props for. Uh, the kick that Sheamus and Drew did on Elias, it was like a double uh, brogue kick and Claymore kick here, kind of like the DIY kick. On a, that looked disgusting on Elias. You know, Gunther's back was all sliced up from Elias's guitar, which, unlike Jeff Jarrett, drew some dimes. Not having Mysterio's spot on someone else was a bit of a waste, but again, you were furthering a storyline here. And in this match, Gunther broke Rey Mysterio's record for the longest Rumble performance. What about Daniel Bryan in the longest world? That doesn't count yeah that was a good fun Royal rumble match la knight and bray wyatt in the mountain dew pitch black match you had the lights go dark you had that that purpley light that kind of looks like when you uh you know you go to a hotel and you shine the black light on the on the bed to see how much spooge is on there it looked like that and then bray had this uh Luminescent, I don't know if that's the right word, but had this glow-in-the-dark face paint that made it look really cool. You had quick exhibition match, you know, Bray Wyatt. I mean, let's face it, he's he's not Kurt Angle on the ring. But again, that's not a bad thing. His strong suit is his character work. You got him and L.A. Knight. I mean, L.A. Knight's the perfect foil for this because... He could come back from this looking like, you know, chicken salad made out of chicken shit. You had the Mountain Dew logo. This was just such a, you know, an obviously sponsored match. But I think it was fun. 
Yeah, I had a bunch of neon stuff. He had these neon Lego bits that it looked like from, from the table. You had Uncle Howdy, oh, Alice, jumping off of a platform onto L.A. Knight, causing fireworks, which it looked like he missed by a little bit. You know, I imagine Matthew's mentions on Botchamania were going out the wazoo, and it's going to be on this week's Botchamania. It was weird, but I liked it. I do like the lore and the character building that's happening here. It's really slow, and I'm kind of an impatient man, but when it comes to something that's long-term booking, I can wait. I can see what happens here. And after Bray wins quickly with his sister Abigail, his face paint changes. You know, it kind of looks like Darth Maul. And then L.A. Knight gets a glow-in-the-dark kendo stick and starts hitting him. It is not very effective. And then we moved on to our next match following said uh, big jump by Uncle Howdy. And speaking of Uncle Howdy, we had Bianca Belair versus the recently turning spooky Twisted Bliss brainwashed Alexa for the Raw Women's Championship. This is a very quick match that Bianca won in a dominant fashion with with the KOD. We saw some weird imagery on the screen indicating that Alexa Bliss is still going to continue down the uh, Twisted Bliss path. I'm all for it. Again, I just want to see how this plays out. You know, The Fiend's not getting involved here, I don't think. You know, Bray Wyatt said himself at an interview, I think it was with someone like SRS or one of those people, saying the the Fiend died at WrestleMania 37, whatever that one was, the first post-COVID one was. And in that match, you know, the Fiend died. And I think we can see something else when it pertains to Bray Wyatt. You know, like the Fiend was this nice shiny thing, this too much featured thing that then won the title, and then they got themselves booked into a corner, saying, how the heck can we get this title off of an invincible zombie whatever kind of creature? Uh, you take a botched jackhammer in Saudi Arabia from Goldberg and you disappear. And then you bring Mance Chapel out of podcast retirement. Again, shout out to Mance. Yeah, this was fine. It wasn't that good. I don't think it was that good of a match, but Alexa Bliss, I think, dodged a bullet by avoiding Bel Air's braid because, you know, a lot of the women on the roster have felt those welts by being smashed by one of those things. I keep saying this, but Bel Air gets into a hardcore match. She should turn that hair whip into like a cat of nine tails. You know, the whips with like the claws and shit on the end of it. I mean, make it vicious. And speaking of vicious, we have Rare Ripley dominating the wind's Women's Royal Rumble match from the number one position. She started off the match with Liv Morgan. And this match had a lot more surprises because there was some more spots to fill. You had current NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez. You had a returning Chelsea Green who was immediately thrown out and then requested to speak to the manager. So she is getting a Karen gimmick. And I can tell right now that I am absolutely going to despise this woman on TV and want to uh, mute her every time. You had Indy Hartwell from NXT. You had a returning Nia Jax, who came out 10 seconds too early. You know, you got the countdown, and then you immediately saw, like, all the graphics on the ring and in the Tron in the background doing the you're not like most girls, 
And uh, I, I like Nia Jax. I really do. You know, I I don't care about her her politics or her way of thinking about uh, COVID and whatnot because tweets their own may disagree with some of it, but I don't vilify people based on who they vote for or what they think about certain things. I think about the content of their heart and how they treat their friends and their loved ones. That's more important to me. He also had Zoe Stark and whatnot. And and in this match, um, Ray Ripley they got her nose smashed. He had Piper Niven also, going back to her former name, who dropped no more, thank God. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Oscar going full Kana. And if you don't know what I mean, uh, go look up some old school. I think she was in stardom before w before NXT. Man, Hana Asuka. And then even what they did more with her on Raw, becoming more twisted, more spooky, just without Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt pulling the strings. Get in. Just, I'm, I'm all for spooky and silly bollocks. Because at the end of the day, I mean... Soap opera spandex is supposed to be spooky and stupid. Your final four in the match were Ripley, Cross, Asuka, and Liv Morgan. The latter three being immediately ushered into the women's elimination chamber match in Montreal, which I'm all for. You're giving the World Rumble match, like the other participants, some stakes. I'm all for it. You had... A match that kind of ended on the apron, the hardest part of the ring. Shout out to Kyle. Gonna have to have you on again sometime, good brother. And Asuka gets the blue mist that looked exactly like the stuff I cleaned my toilet with. Right into Liv Morgan's face and a spot that looked extremely impressive with a flip over and uh, uh, Liv Asuka going out of the ring and Ripley winning. And she chose her starting Pokemon on Monday Night Raw you're going to get her win back from Charlotte Flair from WrestleMania 36, the COVID WrestleMania that no one talks about, because at the time it was a palate cleanser. We needed some normalcy. We needed some healing. WWE was the only thing going at the time, so they gave us that. And that is where Charlotte Flair won the Rumble and decided to go down to NXT and trap all over the women's division there and win their title. And Ripley's like, yeah, I was 24. I was young and stupid and unproven and whatnot. Um, I'm going to go get this win back. You know, Michael Cole made sure to mention in this match that Dana Brooke had been in every single women's Rumble match up to this point. By the way, shout out to, shout out to Bleacher Report for for use of this website for, for my results. Roxanne Perez got a very nice pop from her home state crowd. Speaking of home state crowd... Uh, Booker T was in the Rumble match for for a can of Coke. Um, I would have preferred to see that go to somebody else, but whatever, it's not worth belly aching about. Now, Zia Lee was in this match, and her look, I'll give her that. Her, her look was pretty cool. She tried to bring a kendo stick involved here, so she almost got the, uh, the Finley rule, where he used the shillelagh and got disqualified from the Royal Rumble, despite the fact that in 2001, Al Snow... Uh, use the bowling ball on Raven's nuts, and there was chairs and fire extinguishers and no DQs there. I don't get it. Uh, getting rid of the name Dewdrop, please. Thank you, Michelle McCool. Another surprise entrance in this crowd in this Rumble match was in the crowd 
with her kids when she was announced, then hopped into the barricade, did a faith breaker, AKA the styles clash. Very cool. I'll give it that. This was a, this was a very fun rumble match. Another predictable finish, but again, I say not a bad thing. We then had a terrible, terrible uh, performance by someone named Hardy. We signed, oh, damn it, we signed the wrong Hardy. Or uh, as Cultaholic Out of Contacts would probably say in a few years in British Bulldog voice, Hardy, more like Mike Shite. And this bout didn't get started until 11.45 p.m. And I had to work at 7.30 the next morning, so I knew I would be tripling up on my Timmy's order for the next morning. Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Undisputed Universal Championship, now chanting Sammy Uso as earlier in the night. He said that, you know, Bloodline, you're staying back here tonight. So Bloodline wasn't in the Rumble. Sammy... You're attached to the hip. You're with me the whole night. Which didn't give us the Sammy and the Rumble spot, but I'm thankful that the crowd didn't go all Daniel Bryan from Rumble 2014, 15, whatever year that was, on Cody Rhodes. I mean, you weren't going to do that to Cody Rhodes. If, say, God bless him, if Rey Mysterio actually came out at number 30, I'm just afraid of what the crowd was going to do, because... The crowd is lapping this story up, just like the rest of us. And they want to see Sammy. But again, this might supersede the title, or it might focus on a different one here. So you had your standard back-and-forth match with these two guys that they've had at three, four, two, at least two other Rumbles at this point in time. You had the... When Kevin Owens was the Universal Champion in 2017, you had that match in a street fight with Chris Jericho was in his partner. The whole Festival of Friendship came as a result of this match. You had a couple of years ago at the COVID Rumble where they had a false count anywhere match with the golf cart. I absolutely love that match. That was just so, so stupid. It, it, it was your standard back and forth match with these two guys. You had... Hope spots, he had Superman punches, and he had speed. It took three or four spears to beat Owens in the first place. He had some stunners. He had some hope spots where you had Kevin almost had it. I literally thought Kevin was going to win. I predicted Kevin Owens to win this match, but to no avail, we had a low blow. We had, you know, spears and whatnot, and everyone's not talking about this match. They're talking about after this match. Stunner, two count, third spear, Roman wins. Great match. Predictable, again. But, man, what came after, this is what we're for here. Last week on Raw, we had the trial of Sami Zayn, which is why I did uh, Law & Order SVU. Oose. Which is why I'm doing, I did this spoof. Because it was just a, literally an episode of Judge Judy mixed, mixed with Law and Order. So after this match, he had the beat down. As Jey Uso was about to put a lay on Sami Zayn, Roman stopped him. He ordered the rest of the bloodline to keep beating on a defeated Owens as Sami Zayn was forced to watch. They handcuffed KO to the top rope and super kicked him all over and over and over again. I mean... 
Even the young bucks would think this was this was a bit much. As Reigns was preparing to nail Kevin with a chair, Zayn stepped in between them. He said, this was beneath you. He's had enough. So Roman's like, okay, here's the chair. You pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. And he starts, he, he, and he starts face washing him. He starts like pushing him. Oh. And then Roman turned his back to him. You don't do that with a man with a chair, Roman, because Sammy hit Roman with the chair. And the pop was the biggest pop I think I have heard since the Rock Surprise Return in 2011, since Stone Cold's surprise appearance at WrestleMania, Texas, whatever year that was. The, the Hardy Boys returned the same night. It was just like that. It was a big pop. Big scream from the crowd. And then Jey Uso yelled at him. Jimmy delivered a super kick. Solo and Jimmy were beating Zane down with Reigns cheering him on while Jay stood motionless in the corner. And Jimmy's like, what are you doing? No, that's not your brother. Where are your brothers? And he left and walked away as the rest of the bloodline looked on. And then afterwards, Roman took his anger out on Sammy with a barrage of chair shots. And the last thing that we see as the credits roll are the basically corpses of KO and Sammy Zayn. Now, Jey Uso has since been tweeting that he's out. Run it back with a picture of Roman Reigns from 2020. Hinting that we might get this feud between main event Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. But I think this is a ruse. So I'm putting this out there. I mean, Cody's going to walk out of WrestleMania with the two belts. Maybe he brings back the winged eagle like he's been teasing. But this is going to be a ruse. So Jey Uso is going to return or not return, he's still going to be on TV. He's going to seemingly be out of the bloodline, maybe giving him new entrance music to use down the line when the bloodline splits up for real. And you have him be involved in the finish at Elimination Chamber. Maybe he says he's going to be in the corner of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is going to be taken aback, being like, dude, I don't know. And then surprise, surprise, Jey Uso turns. And then you get um, Team Cammy. Yep, yep, yep. Against the Usos at WrestleMania for one of, if not both, of the tag team titles. Because we've had a couple bits on Raw and SmackDown where only one of those titles were defended. So it's going to end up with Sammy and KO beating the Usos at Mania. I'm actually okay with that, but I do understand and I find your criticism very valid in, in thinking that Sammy wouldn't walk out getting his comeuppance on Roman. Someone put this up on Twitter. Forgive me if I don't shout you out, uh, but maybe the protagonist here is really Jey Uso, and this leads us down that path. So, well, man, that that's an emotional show. That was amazing you know all these reactions i've seen from like cultaholic from wrestle talk 
from Botch Guy, uh, not to be confused with Matthew. He's a Canadian guy from BC, Botch Guy. He's awesome. His dog, Botchy. Big shout out to him. Everyone's reactions for this have just been outstanding. Steven Larson. My, my, my lord. I'm going to come back from this break, folks. And we're going to go back to 2003 and see if we can shake off some of these emotional cobwebs. Stay tuned. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight, Mance Chapel of the Delight Show, and you're listening to Fretzelmania, baby, only on Wrestle Addict Radio. Buzz, buzz, this is the Queen B, the K Murphy of Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Fretzelmania exclusively on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Welcome back to the show, folks. Fretzelmania 1 or 2, Law and Order SVUs. Now we go back to 2003. We are a couple of weeks out from the Royal Rumble. We are heading on to No Way Out, which also takes place in Montreal. They get a February pay-per-view 20 years later. That's kind of neat to think about. Y'all know that before I get into Smacketh, Downeth, I like to see what else is going on in the world of wrestling in that particular week. On NWA TNA, pay-per-view number 29 at the Fairgrounds Coliseum in Smashville, Tennessee, in front of 1,000 fans, it's TNA. In the dark matches, we got Matt Vandal and Mike Preston beating Keller, Kyle, and Spider. We have Bulldog Leduc beating Salvatore Renato. Eric Andrews pinning Jason B. And the Tenacious Z beat Truth Martini. Main show, The Amazing Red pinned Jorge Estrada. David Flair pinned Jerry Lynn. Above average, Mike Sanders pinned Ron Killings. Larry Zabisco beat AJ Styles in a 10-minute match. Now, Ziles had to beat Zabisco twice in the time limit, but only managed to pin the living legend once. Kid Crash and Trinity beat Sonny Siaki and Desire. And in the main event, the Rock and Roll Express beat America's Most Wanted. Monday Night Raw on the 27th. From the All-State Arena in Chicago, Illinois, we had Booker T defeating Jeff Hardy, D'Lo Brown defeating The Hurricane, Victoria defeating Trish Stratus in a Chicago street fight to retain the Women's Championship, Tag Team Champions Lance Storm and William Regal beat the Dudley Boys in a no-DQ tables match to retain the Tag Team Champions, probably due to shenanigans from Chief Morley and insert other heels here. In an exhibition match, hitting the two tough enough Season 3 winners, we had John Hannigan, a.k.a. Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, John Morrison, etc. 
and the late Matt Capitelli ended in a no contest in just over a minute. Uh, I didn't see why this was only one minute, but I think there was probably some shenanigans or Eric Bischoff was ordering it to stop. In the main event, we had Batista and Triple H accompanied by Randy Orton and Ric Flair, meaning evolution is here. Beat the team of Kane and Rob Van Dam. And finally, on the RA Era podcast and Apron Bump podcast's favorite show, Velocity, we have Jamie Noble defeating Mike Bucci. Who is Mike Bucci, you ask? Nova, Simon Dean, fill in the rest. On a match that was plugged on this week's episode of SmackDown, Corey Wilson beat Don Marie. Also, Nunzio beat Chuck Palumbo and Chavo Guerrero beat Red Dog, a.k.a. Rodney Mack. Now, with all of that out of the way, we are in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Shout out to everyone's favorite wrestling banana, Nate, the Grundana, at the Wretch Coliseum. Vince is here tonight, who is going to answer Hulk Hogan's challenge. We have a number one contendership match for the tag team titles pitting Edge and Benoit against Team Angle. Kicking off this show is Rey Mysterio versus A-Train, a la Trains. Rey tries to do a seated senton to the outside, gets caught in a powerbomb spot that Rey then gets out of. A-Train goes for a gorilla press, but is denied. Rey gets out of there. A springboard is reversed into a power slam. By the big man, the Baldo Bomb, and Ray kicks out. The Baldo Bomb now being known as the Derailer. So Ray is, I mean, Albert is literally a wrestling train. You can say that he is a tank engine. He then lands the Decapitator, that bottom rope thing that he used to do. Full Nelson, where Ray's legs are wrapped around Albert's legs that look really vicious. That's a move that a lot of wrestlers do now where they do that full Nelson, but then they twist it around into a DDT variation. I think it was Swerve. I think Swerve did something like that, if I'm not mistaken. I I'm not entirely sure. We see a stunner counter by Ray after a uh, after that full Nelson. Albert goes for some kind of uh, electric chair kind of deal that Ray reverses into a DDT. A 619 is 610. Nope. Bicycle kick, train wreck, and Albert wins. Backstage, we have Paul Heyman and Josh Matthews. Something about, you know, Taker called out the big show, but he declined. And Paul Heyman says that Undertaker is a cold hearted animal. He wants revenge, but Taker is going to be disappointed because the big show has the night off. One half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Eddie Guerrero, goes up next against John Cena, who was accompanied by a new bodyguard. B-Squared is no more. This is Red Dog, a.k.a. Rodney Mack. He talks about Jedi Thugonomics and Red Dog being a Padawan learner. Something about Eddie crapping his pants like Mexican food and insert stereotype offensive things here like a carjacker and then the 
he'll say that he'll choke like the Packers, which I'm sorry, Packers fans, but that still rings true today. Cena is in these red long basketball shorts. It's a different look, but we're getting there with the jorts. Uh, Red Dog slams Eddie into the steps. Eddie is getting a lot of positive chance. He's basically a babyface now. Well, I guess if you're going against John Cena, you're going to be the de facto babyface. Cena has the British Bulldog Memorial delayed vertical suplex. Red Dog. Oh, red Dog. More like Red Shite. Shout out to the Cultaholic Classic Reviews. Eddie fights back. With it has a drop kick. Red Dog trips Eddie. Hey, there's a back suplex. Cena is knocked off the top rope, and then Eddie is feeling froggy, lands the frog splash, and wins this match. Backstage, The Undertaker arrives. Also, also, Paul Heyman is on the phone, and he sees a young man who has been featured on Velocity in, let's just say, different forms it is a man who would become part of the wwe for a few years go away would come back a few times have a run as tag team champions have a run as the cruiserweight champion that is the uh the controversial brian kendrick who offers him a job it's like oh you're that kid that Shawn michaels trained right yes yes i am you're, you know who i am yeah you're paul Heyman. He takes a liking to Paul Heyman. I'm going to offer you a job. Oh, I'll do anything to make it in this business. Anything, eh? Also, also backstage, Stephen McMahon is on the phone talking to somebody, uh, talking to someone named Dom. Oh, is she talking to a young Dom? No, she's not talking to Dom Dom, because Dom Dom would have been about seven years old at this point in time. Even younger than that, maybe. And it's like, Dominic, get it done says Ray Ripley to Dom Dom today. Vince McMahon puts his finger on the receiver and hangs up the phone. What were you thinking bringing Hulk Hogan back? It's like, well, here, you hired me to compete with Eric Bischoff, and he wants to bring back Stone Cold Steve Austin, your nemesis, remember? And you're mad at me? She makes a good point there. She then reminds Eric Bischoff of the history between Eric and Vince McMahon with WCW Nitro doing this and WWE doing that in in reply. And then Vince says that I have a surprise of my own for Hulk Hogan tonight. We'll have to sit and wait and find out what that is. Our next match is Shannon Moore versus Billy Kidman. Shannon Moore is coming out to V1's music, so you know what that means. Matt Facts. Matt thinks that Shannon has an iota of Mattitude. And then also, Matt Hardy was the longest surviving member of the SmackDown roster in the Royal Rumble match. He is abusing Shannon Moore on the way to the ring. There's a big sign that says V1 sucks. Uh, no, V1 from OSW does not suck. Uh, Steve is a very good man. He's a very, very good man. Shout out to OSW Review. And tonight, SmackDown is brought to you by Stacker 2. We promise we're not the overstock from IcoPro. 
Nike East to West for your feet and ads alone for kids. We see a plug for Velocity pitting Don Marie versus Tori Wilson. And I got a question for Apron Bump, RA Era. Did you guys review this episode of Velocity in your in your episodes there of Velocity, Bill Demott that you so love so very very much? If you didn't, hit me up. Let's uh let's talk some velocity. We see a chin lock on Shannon Moore that like Shannon Moore that looks a lot like uh Moxley's headlock choke. Billy battles back. We see more of the suplex. Hardy is wearing that same dragon button-up shirt that we all bought at Zellers back in the day. Oh, oh right. More Americans listen to this show at Walmart back in the day. You guys had Kmart, right? Yeah, cheapo store. Or in Canada, Giant Tiger. Anyways, enough about old school stores. Sam the Record Man. Billy goes for the Shooting Star Press, but is uh, then met by Shannon Moore for a superplex, which is denied. And then Matt Hardy tries to intervene on the ropes. Also denied, Billy Kidman lands the Shooting Star Press and wins this match. We see a post-match beatdown onto Kidman. Two twists of fate, so we are going here for the Cruiserweight Championship, but Matt Hardy has to cut weight first, and oh my lord, I can't wait. These are great, great segments. Vince McMahon has a surprise as he walks to the ring. He Is he going to accept Hulk Hogan's challenge? A lot of Hogan chants from the crowd, like, you're right, shut up. If you don't stop, I'll walk right out of here. Oh, please do, Vince. Please do. Please walk out of our lives here, please. It's like, my daughter brought back Hulk Hogan, and I said, like Al Wilson, it's dead. Hulkamania is on life support. He then calls Hulk Hogan a depraved, bottom-feeding predator. Uh, I will kill Hulkamania. You people are gullible. What do you mean, you people? Hulk Hogan's a hypocrite. You know, he doesn't believe what he says, blah, blah, blah. Like, Hogan owes me one, says Vince. Like, you want an answer? You want an answer? There is no way out for Hogan. There's no shortcut home. No, no way out in one ring, side of the ring. You'll have Hulk Hogan versus, pause for dramatic effect, The Rock. Huge heat for Dwayne because uh, if you go back to our SummerSlam episode I did with Nate the effing great, shout out to my favorite wrestling banana Nate, The Rock was getting very negative reactions from the New York crowd who were salivating at the concept of Brock Lesnar being the WWE champion. And rightfully so. Brock Lesnar was the shiny new toy that everyone liked. And The Rock was uh, coming out of the ashes of the Attitude Era, if you will. So we have live via satellite, Hollywood Rock. And my goodness, this is just, this is the first appearance of Hollywood Rock, and man, he hams this up. He eats this up. I 
adored Hollywood rock, despite the fact I was as a 18, 19 year old, I'll say it, Mark, as if that's supposed to be an insult. That's not. I was booing the shit out of him. Well, because he was a heel, right? So The Rock says that he's not in Green Bay. Thank God. Last trip, it was cold. Great pie, though. Um, Rock, you're one quarter Canadian. You you can definitely put up with with some cold, despite the fact you're probably living on Malibu Beach or some crap. It says, let The Rock make it perfectly clear. I do not answer to Vince McMahon. I answer to the people. To the millions and millions. Oh, let's do that again. Take two. And millions of Rock's fans. We're set for No Way Out. The WrestleMania rematch. Uh, I'm all there. Uh, no Way Out is a very, very fun show, if I am not mistaken. We then get Rikishi versus Bill DeMott again. Uh, Bill uh, does a body slam, goes for the No Laughing Matter, the moonsault, which is impressive for such a big man. There's an electric chair, super kick. The stink face is denied, and a DDT while standing near the ropes is blocked by Bill DeMott, who then just hands Rikishi with the ropes and wins. Dear God, I hope this feud doesn't continue. Then Taker calls out the big show and almost runs over Bill with his motorcycle on the way down to the ring. Paul comes out and sends Brian Kendrick. Coming out dressed as a bellboy, riding a little girl's bicycle, continuing to ring this bell. Get it? He's a bellboy. Get it? Get it? Get it? It's funny. Get it? You can hear someone shout from the front row, That looks like my sister's bike! And yes, it does. That looks like my niece's bike, if I can be honest. He then has like, Oh, I have a, a message from the big show. Oh, uh, he's really, really sorry. He's really, really sorry. Big finish. He'll never do it again! Or something like that. And Taker's like, That's an apology? You call that an apology? Kid, it took a lot of guts for you to come out here and do what you did. Not a lot of brains, but I respect people who have guts. And then he pays the bellboy. He tips him. How nice. Haker's a nice guy. I mean, where do you guys get off calling him a jerk? Oh, he last rides Brian Kendrick for no reason afterwards. Okay, that checks out. Next up, Kurt Angle pep talks Team Angle. He makes fun of Vince Lombardi, quoting him by saying, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. We then get another Sean O'Hare uh, video here. Sean O'Hare is coming to SmackDown. A young Veer takes notes. Sean O'Hare talks about how everyone has a vice. And he's like, hey, just relax. Crack that beer open. Light up that joint. Light that cigarette up. Hey, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Devil's Advocate gimmick. And he's he's coming to SmackDown. Very, very soon. Next up is our main event of the evening. Team Angle. Charlie Haas. Shelton Benjamin against the, the new makeshift team of Edge and Chris Benoit, who are also two former 
several-time tag team champions. Kurt Angle comes out on commentary here. Call me Captain Kurt. And Cole says, how's Spock? Just off the bat. People hate on Michael Cole. He's quick-witted. Michael Cole's good. Michael Cole's even better if Vince McMahon isn't screaming in his ear. We see the Edge-O-Matic by Edge, and immediately then Kurt tries to distract from the apron, but gets speared for his efforts. We then see a, a pretty basic, good technical tag team match here with your suplexes and your technical spots here. They're working over Edge for a decent chunk of this match. Charlie Haas locks in a reverse figure four. Edge hits an enziguri and finally gets the hot tag on Chris Benoit, who runs wild on both of Team Angle. Who do hit that awesome tag team leapfrog to the back spot that they always did. Mwah, chef's kiss. Air Canada by Chris Benoit. Kicked out. Lands the cross face. Haas tries to get involved. Edge spears him for, this eff for his efforts. But while all this is going down, while this schmoz is happening and the ref is distracted, belt shot by Kurt Angle from the apron for the win. Team Angle are the number one contenders to Los Guerrero's Tag Team Championships next week in Philly. We're going to see new champs. See you in the Super Bowl, Philly. Good luck. Oh, by the way, go Chiefs. Shout out to our good brother from across the pond and fellow Chiefs Kingdom fan, Jermaine. Bro, we're back in the Super Bowl. Ant, Ant Stefano, good luck. Y'all might need it at the big game. So that'll do it for this episode of the Fretzelmania podcast. You can follow me on all my socials at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast can be heard on Russell Attic Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast, also home to Nate the Effin' Great's Brace for Impact, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and released every Thursday. Uh, Kings of the Rings are in the Friends of the Show era because as announced last week on the show, our beloved Agent K. Murphy themselves announced that they uh, have a new position and they'll be working a different shift and unavailable for some podcasts. So they're on a Legends deal. If you want to be on Kings of the Rings, hit us up. You might see me on there in the next little while shooting the breeze with, with the lads. Kay Murphy, I love you. You're always welcome to come on my show any time that you want. Follow Wrestle Addict Radio on Twitter at Addict underscore Wrestle. I will occasionally be live tweeting shows, just being a general nuisance out there. Uh, Wrestle Addict Radio everywhere else. Please check out our merch store and please, folks, join our Discord. We need some action on that, on that server, to be honest, folks. We just talk about life, wrestling. We share a bunch of memes that wind up being tips of the crown on Kings of the Rings. And, and so much more. So until next time, folks, go Chiefs. Have a wonderful week and uh, have a good one. Love y'all.